Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. Within this episode, I'm going to be getting into some details about Spanish culture and something that happened recently when I was playing checkers or drafts with my wife's grandfather who in fact is playing a different type of checkers than I and how you can make yourself seem so silly when you get super competitive and I'm also going to talk about a recent trip to Spain and some aspects and nuances it has on Latin in North America so sit back relax and listen and enjoy the show well I'm going to go ahead and say that if you are married into a Latino family, and maybe you don't know, or a Spanish family, you don't know all the customs, trends as it relates to board games, then you're probably going to want to listen to this episode so you don't end up making a scene as it relates to your board, your board game playing ability. So let's get into it. So I think sometimes like what's so interesting about coming from a different culture is like different nuances, and I'm, I was pretty... Sure, I had a pretty good understanding of them, but, you know, sometimes things happen. And the story tonight's kind of going to give you details into it and then maybe a little bit of information about the topic. So what am I talking about? Well, if you ever, you know, played the game checkers, obviously you're familiar with a certain kind of rules. Well, in checkers, what happens whenever you play it is, you know, you have your king, your king gets one jump. And that's kind of how you play. Well, I don't know if people realize this, or I didn't realize this as I started playing a game. And, and like, you know, whenever you're the youngest of nine, like, whenever you're playing games, you get, like, a little bit competitive if you think the rules are different. And what happened is my wife's 89-year-old grandfather was, I, I didn't realize it at the time, was playing a different form of checkers. Now, what I didn't realize he was playing is what is known as Spanish checkers. Well, that's actually Spanish music. So what is Spanish checkers? And if anybody knows this, I would be really impressed. So as the way I've learned it, or what I've just realized is checkers is actually known as darts or drafts, is what they call it in the UK. And it can be traced as far back, back to the Mesopotamian time. Now, whenever it started becoming more popular, um, it kind of jumped around in, in different people played it in different ways. Now, whenever we look at the rules, it's really interesting how you play Spanish checkers. Now, I like it kills me like the first time I played it because I just played it about an hour ago and it really was something that was really eye opening. So if you can manage, imagine Spanish checkers has a different type of rule set where if you don't jump a person, they can take your piece. And once the king gets kinged, it can almost do whatever it wants. You know, it can move back forward, it can do multiple jumps, like like geometry does not rely on it. So whenever you play like drafts or, or normal checkers, you can only do one jump, okay? Now, I might have got a little bit heated about it, and I was trying to communicate with my um, grandfather-in-law about it, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't like the best showing, but then after I understood the rules, it kind of 
calm me down a little bit, but man, I think we all have that competitive edge at times, at least I do, that comes out. And I do it because I think sometimes inside of me, I don't know if it's a result of being having all brothers and just being super competitive and not having any shame and just losing your cool, you know. And I think what I've learned about it is, you know, I, I didn't realize that there was a different form of checkers. I didn't realize that there was a British version and a Spanish version. And the Spanish version is so different than the British one. And it's like really interesting to me because tonight what I was going to really get into is a segue is I just was in Spain not too long ago. And that's actually where that little music clip come from. So I think probably it's like really interesting how sometimes things are synchronistic in a way. Here I was going to give a short podcast about my time in Sevilla and Tarifa. And talk about different aspects of Spanish culture. Well, the first one being a Spanish checkers is much different than English checkers. And I think whenever you go to Sevilla, Spain, where I was, and see the culture, it's just, it's really different. And I mean that in a very positive way. Now, if I were to sit here and say, what do you need to do whenever you go to Sevilla? I think probably the first thing is really just trying to get centrally located. I think, you know, my wife and I were there for about two weeks and then we popped down to Tarifa for a while and then came back to Sevilla. And probably one of the most important things that you're going to want to do is find a central location. Now, while we were in Spain, I think probably, you know, like I think the food in itself is really interesting as it relates to the tapas. Now, if you're not familiar with tapas, it's actually small plates. And with, whenever you're eating the top of food, you know, what's really interesting about the culture is a big part of the food is actually seafood. So they have this kind of rice that cooks to the bottom and then you put your seafood in there and you eat it. And um, and to me, like we didn't eat too much seafood, but the tapas were interesting. And some of them were actually really good within Sevilla. And you got an aspect of the culture through food. But like, I feel like whenever I'm eating European food, or whenever I was in Spain, it's like the aspects of the food is so different. And I think sometimes what I mean when it's different is if you look at the simple fact too of how they position lunch meat. It's like, you know, United States, like you go to a you go to a butcher and you get lunch meat, but in Spain, they'll actually have like a leg of an animal that's curated and you can see the hoof and everything, and they just cut the lunch meat off the leg. And it's like something I've never really seen before. And it was a little bit different getting used to that. And that's how a lot of the restaurants were, is they had hanging meat. Obviously, it was dried out, but that's a different concept within itself. I think next, probably one of the more interesting things about Spanish culture within Sevilla and Tarifa is the, you know, it's like, for me, I know this is going to sound really silly, but my introduction with Latin culture has a lot to do with Central and South America. So whenever you're learning Spanish within that environment, if you're not familiar, there's different pronunciations. Now, the way we say España is how you'd say it in Spanish. But the way they say it is España. There's actually a lisp. Or how you say gracias, you know, is how you're going to say it within um, Central, mostly all of Latin America. And you're going to say gracias with the lisp within Spanish culture. Now, I didn't realize that. I mean, I heard it, but it's like really interesting hearing Spanish spoken like that. And I think probably, you know, the church is really important within Sevilla.
So whenever you're in Europe, obviously you're going to see a lot of different churches and a lot of older things like this. And probably one of the most interesting churches I think I saw was actually in Sevilla, Spain. Okay, the Iglesia de Sevilla. This is actually probably one of the biggest churches you're ever going to see in the sky. And the sky is so high. And it's actually where Christopher Columbus' tomb currently resides. Now, what's so interesting about Christopher Columbus is he would have died in the 1400s, the 1492. So sometime in the 1500s, he would have died. And as a result of it, his his body was passed around a lot. So one of the things we learned about it is his first... He was actually um, buried in Cuba originally, and then he would have been buried in the Dominican Republic, and then he would have moved to Sevilla, Spain around 18, I think 90, or a little bit later, and it's the last thing they put in this church. And when you look at Christopher Columbus's tomb, it's ridiculous. You have four people holding it up within it, four statues, and I've never seen a tomb like it before. So like... If you ever have time, just go ahead and Google Christopher Columbus's tomb because it's really something very interesting to see that's located within this church in Sevilla. Now, I think probably one of the more interesting aspects of it is the Colosseums are really high and they implemented using this goth Gothic period. So for me too, I think when while in Sevilla, what was really interesting is the culture. So that's kind of where you have the matadors or, or the bull culture um, where people are fighting bulls, but then actually, you actually have the flamenco-style music. So a lot of different, um, actually what's so interesting is whenever I went into this show, you can hear the clapping and the beats and it's really almost like this, um, it's like jazz in a way, you know how improv happens with jazz and there's a lot of offbeat time periods. Whenever you're hearing the claps, a lot of it's actually offbeat. Now going into the show is pretty interesting because you get that cultural aspect, um, and Spanish culture has that ability to kind of. Um, enthrall you with the music and with the food and with everything it's everything within it and I think if you're going to go to Spain Sevilla is really on top of the list and I think too probably one of the more interesting aspects is kind of how we planned it out as we went to Spain and we were there for a little bit and we ended up talking to an individual at the hotel and he told us to go down to Tarifa, Spain which is actually at the tip of the country now whenever you go there what's super crazy is the fact that you can actually go into morocco so whenever you go to the is this part of spain it's really interesting how much infusion you have with middle eastern and spanish culture because if you look out your window you literally can see morocco if you're in this part of spain you can see africa um, and whenever you hop on the boat, it's only about an hour ferry ride. And whenever you get there, it's almost like you just transition into a different world. Now, what's interesting about Morocco is it feels like the Middle East with nuances of French culture, which makes sense because, you know, the French settled there for a while and they have a big influence of it. And what do I mean when I say that? It's like, for me, you know, I lived in China and I lived in northern China, which is really predominantly an Islamic, um, there's a lot of practicing Muslims there. You have around, you know, 20 million, you have 10 million 
which are actually Han Chinese. You have another 10 million, which are Uyghur. So you get used to the call to prayer. You know, the fact that you're praying five times a day. And sometimes the first time you hear it, it's a little bit interesting. And I actually have um, the call to prayer I took while in Morocco. And I just want to go ahead and play it for y'all. So that in itself is really unique and you're actually hearing it within Morocco. Now I heard this actually in China as well and it's in the same language. They're not doing the call to prayer in Mandarin, they're doing it in Arabic, which is so interesting. But for me, you know, going to Morocco, you know, we're there for a little bit just for a day to see it. And the fact that you transition just like that or you're hearing the call to prayer and you're only on a boat ride for an hour and you go back to Spain where you're getting things like film link of style, you're getting a much more open culture that obviously has deeper Christian roots. Um, but I think, you know, what's so interesting about this from an American perspective, American perspective is, is Europe in Africa are relatively close, you know, from this aspect. And to see it up front and personal, you know, just gives you a lot more insight into different different things and proximities and as it relates to history. And, you know, in that area too, you have the Rock of Gibraltar. You have different iconic aspects of it. So I know I opened up with Spanish checkers, but, you know, it's so interesting how you look at the influence of Spain on Latin America and you look at the influence of the United Na- or you know you know United Kingdom or England on the United States and how things get entrenched into the culture and they get projected it's like the majority of checkers played in Latin America is obviously going to be Spanish checkers okay think about that and the majority of checkers that are played or darts for my british listeners in north america is going to be an english style one so it's so crazy how the influences from the old world on the new world are still there. And they can culminate in a situation where I'm sitting at a kitchen table and I'm playing what I think is going to be a British or American version of checkers or drafts. I'm sorry, which the UK call it. But in fact, it's Spanish. And what's really interesting from this kind of conversation or playing checkers with my my, I guess, I don't even know what you call your wife's grandfather, your grandfather-in-law, is how it blew my mind that there could be so much, you know, there's just, it's just a really good indicator of the cultural nuances that take place between North and South America and how there's different concepts to them, that's checkers. But to me, it's called Spanish checkers and how the rules can vary and how we look at the influence of Spain on Latin America and we think about the language and how the language has changed and and how different it is, you know. I think sometimes, too, when we think about it and we provide that lens, it gives us a little bit more insight into the world abroad. And the more the main point of this podcast is to learn about yourself by the world that encompasses you. And for me to learn about Spanish checkers and tie it to kind of the ability to go to Spain is really interesting and in, in how it all culminates and goes into the new world. So this ever-flowing process of history and context. Well, thank you so much for listening. We got a new microphone, and we'll get back to you tomorrow.